You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Michael Kist. Are you caught me not listening again? Benjamin Solak. You never listen! It's the Kist and Solak Show. Presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak Show. This is episode 155, brought to you by the fine folk at SB Nation, Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at MichaelKistNFL. That's K-I-S-T, as always. Joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. Nine-Year Streak Without a Bad Day. He is Benjamin Solak. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Ben, how you doing, brother? Everything is delicious, Mikey. Thank you for asking. I appreciate it. Mikey. Yeah, Mikey. That's an interesting... Yeah, I figured right. we'd be familiar on the podcast, have a little fun. All right, Benji. Watch the Dallas Cowboys lose to the Chicago Bears last night. That was a good time. Ooh, I had a great time watching that. Yeah. My hero, Mitch Trubisky. By the way, if you noticed a change in my Twitter profile pic, as you may have seen, it's the animation or the, the, the drawing of me and I'm drinking from a mug and on the mug is a picture of Mitchell Trubisky for the double doink that was put together by Grace Min. Shout out, Grace. Friend of the pod. She's the one that did the logo for the Kiss and Solak show as well. But I made a deal with the devil, and I said that if Trubisky beat the Cowboys, that I would retire the Trubisky mug profile pick. Miss Trubisky coming through in the biggest of ways, beating the Dallas Cowboys in a game that looks close via score, but was not close in execution. Ben, I mean, it could mean nothing for the overall picture for the playoff picture for the Eagles, but it also could mean something. So that's not nothing. Well, actually, so that's my thing is that it really is nothing, right? (laughs) It is before the Buffalo game. So not even the Miami game before the Buffalo game, the Eagles needed to beat the Giants, beat the Redskins, beat the Cowboys, beat the Giants in order to win the division and make the playoffs. After the Buffalo game, the Eagles needed to beat the Giants, beat the Redskins, beat the Cowboys, beat the Giants to make the playoffs. After the Miami game, same thing. And now after the Bears game, the Cowboys losing two. I'm here to tell you, the Eagles need to beat the Giants, beat the Redskins, beat the Cowboys, beat the Giants to make the playoffs. That's what it's been since the, since the beginning. Once the Once the Cowboys dropped the Bills game, it gave the Eagles the space to lose the Miami game, which they promptly did on schedule. <laughs> this yep. god-awful division. It, the only way the Cowboys losing these last two would have really mattered is if the Eagles had beaten the Dolphins. Because then you have the potential to get two games up on the Cowboys and then still lose to the Cowboys, be one game up on the Cowboys, and still win the division. Once the Eagles lost to the Dolphins, they lost that completely. It does help, though, if the Eagles drop another game outside of the outside of the Dallas game, though. Certainly, in the eventuality that the Cowboys lose their last two and the Eagles win their last two. So, like, right. But this is this is a eventuality in which the Eagles are able to... Like, they beat the Giants, beat the Redskins, beat the Giants, lose to the Cowboys... But then the Cowboys lose to the Rams and lose to Washington. That's the only circumstance in which that matters. Yeah, so it's not nothing. 
<laughs> okay. You're looking at a Cowboys team that has lost to the Jets. They just lost to the Bills. They just, I mean, they probably lose to the Rams. Let's be honest. I'm not sold on that. Well, you know, I'm not the biggest Rams supporter out there, but I think they're getting right at the right time. I think the Rams are playing better, but I think at some point the Cowboys are going to be like, hey, what if we won a game and won the division? That has to happen eventually. <laughs> it might happen against the Eagles. I mean, that's yeah. that that was their best game, of, their best game, their best win of the season, really, when you look at it. They haven't beaten anybody. Right. I mean, they they so they started out the season. What? Three and oh against tomato cans. <laughs> tomato cans. That's funny. Um, Drop to the Saints. Drop to the Packers, drop to the Jets, murder the Eagles. Yep. And then everybody's like, all right, they're on now. They're back. <laughs> beat and, the Giants. Right. Beat the Giants, lose to the Vikings, beat the Lions. Then they lose to the Patriots, and that was actually a really close, tough game. Lost to the Bills, lost to the Bears. So they've lost four of their last five. Like the Rams is like, it's like, it's like, you know, both teams fighting for a chance, the AFC playoffs, the NFC playoffs, excuse me. So I don't think it's going to be like a locked and loaded, the better team wins in this situation. And then obviously, as we've, circled now since the eagles lost to the seahawks week 16 against the cowboys this is the game that's going to end up mattering it'd be very very hard for that game not to decide the winner of the division i agree yeah eagles lose it no chance eagles win it cowboys still have a chance uh, they, they it's tied head to head they would need to have a better record outright the eagles hold the common games tiebreaker thing because mm -hmm. the they cowboys have lost people. as you said to the jets and to the bills and the bears who watched <laughs> the eagles beat i will say not for nothing I, I, I tried to research this for the podcast, and I couldn't find it. But the Eagles making the playoffs, will they go far? Probably not. Will like It, it doesn't get much tougher as a four seed than facing the San Francisco 49ers slash the Seattle Seahawks at home as the five seed, right? Like it, if, they, if they make the playoffs, they will not be favored in their first game. Their road will be that of the underdog. Ho -ho. But anyway, with that said, Peterson will have brought this team to the playoffs in three consecutive years right of his first four years as a head coach and yep. while i cannot tell you how good that is historically i'm inclined to believe that's pretty good i'm inclined oh, to believe that the list of names of other people who have done that brought their teams to back to back to back playoffs within the first four years includes some good head coaches so look look at it overall with Doug Peterson, right? So 2016, everything's trying to get together. You got a rookie quarterback, whatever. That season does not matter to me at all. Like if you were to put that in his overall record, I don't care. Exclude that. 2017, the starting quarterback goes down. You go and win a Super Bowl with your backup quarterback. That's pretty good. Name another head coach in the NFL that that's doing that. Okay, so that's in there. 2018, we've talked about this before, the 31st worst in adjusted games lost for injuries in the NFL. Your quarterback goes down again. You make the playoffs. You win a playoff game. Okay. Fine. This year, an abject failure. Abject failure. Absolutely based on the expectations that you want. And I think part of the concern is that the Eagles make the playoffs if they do and then they go one and out or, or even if they like win like a weird one. I think the concern among the fan base is that the Eagles will kind of be like, oh, well, it's actually not that bad and not make the fundamental changes that a lot of people think that they need to make, including myself and and, and you. But still, Doug Peterson's not going to be on the hot seat or anywhere close to the hot seat and probably not on the hot seat right now anyway. You go to the playoffs three times in a row. I don't care what the, the context is. I don't care that the NFC East is so terrible. Right. Obviously, it matters. Obviously, changes need to be made. I mean, what, what are we really talking? Are we, are we going to be the Browns and fire a head coach every year? Stop. Jason Garrett has nine seasons in Dallas, has six seasons with at least seven losses. Guy's still not fired yet. Right. Which, like, that's the thing is, like, 
you know, like regardless of the context, like nobody's going to look at the Eagles or the Cowboys making the playoffs this year and be like, aha, a good right. team that earned their spot in the dance. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. You yeah. either, like, let's say either, like, like the Eagles have a chance to win four, four in a row and go into the playoffs. What would it be? Nine and seven. Mm. Even if they do that, no one's going to be like, ah, well, I mean, some talking heads would be like, they're getting hot at the right time, but no one's going to be like, yes, go ahead, the Eagles. <laughs> but eventually there has to be something that you use. Like, like every measuring stick is contorted by context. Yeah. There's no objective. This is the best team. You know what I mean? Like, even the Super Bowl. Like, this team won the Super Bowl. But, like, nobody thinks that the Nick Foles-led Eagles were the best team. They just couldn't lose. You know what I mean? They were, yeah. they were, every measuring stick has context to it. And so, eventually, you have to reach a point where you say, the Eagles made the playoffs in three of Doug Peterson's four seasons, and that's good. Now, yeah. we're not there yet. Uh, and, you know, two or four seasons, still good, not as good, not as impressive. And obviously there's problems that you're going to have to deal with off of this year's roster, this year's roster management, this year's uh, X's and O's, that it, it, Eagles go 5-11, and 11, Eagles go 9-7. and seven. Anywhere in between, you're going to have to deal with by the time you eventually reach the offseason. I just to say that, recognize that. Yeah, it's just to say, the Eagles have a chance to make the playoffs. If they do, it will continue to be a sign, of which we already have many, that the Eagles have a good head coach. That's pretty much it. That's pretty much where I'm at. I mean, I understand that the, the changes that need to be made and hopefully that makes things better and whatnot. And hopefully how he has a better offseason and the and the drafts start to pay off and whatnot. But at the same time, you make the playoffs three times in a row. Not only that, Super Bowl winning coaches get the longest leashes in the world. Sure. In the world. Biggest leashes there ever doggone were. Doug Peterson made the top five for SB Nation's most fireable coaches. Are you high? Wait, really? Yeah. Who wrote this? Christian something uh, over there at SB Nation. Made a list of five coaches, the most fireable coaches in the NFL. Doug Peterson was number five. Now, he said, this is probably really unlikely, and it is. But if that's the case, why is he even at number five? <laughs> what? Two years from winning a Super Bowl? Come on, man. We got SB Nation. Guys, love you. Love you. We got to be better than that. <laughs> we got to do better than that. Hey, Ben's face is just stunned. <laughs> he won the Super Bowl. <laughs> but, like, this is why I say, like, like you know everything within context the eagles have not played well peters they, they remain like a top 10 uh, uh they're like a top 12 i think offense in dvoa they're the top 15 defense i think in dvoa but i don't really like that one as much um they're, 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 he's aggressive in fourth downs he doesn't make stupid challenges the things that we measure head coaches by he's good at i agree whatever it's 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 a weird uh discussion to have but i did want to throw it out there because there are people talking about it so there's that and and like I said, going back to the to the Bears and Dallas thing, I can't get last year out of my head when I talk about like this Bears-Dallas game and how it probably doesn't matter, but it might. You got to remember the Eagles had a 1% chance of making the playoffs last year. Everything can matter. So it's good that Dallas lost. And not only that, I just enjoy watching Dallas lose and just go into a total tailspin. I don't, I don't think anyone doesn't enjoy that. I mean, the three straight losses for the second time in the season. I mean, got to tell me. Loving it, brother. So, okay. Today, what we're going to do, we're going to dial in on the main topic of the show, the meat and potatoes. This is going to be the second part of our two-part weekly series where we preview the upcoming game, Eagles-Giants. Kiss and Solak 154, we covered the Giants offense against the Eagles defense. Today, we're going to be switching sides. We're going to be talking about the Eagles offense against the Giants defense. So let's let's just dig in. So you look at the, the overall stats and analytics for the Giants defense. It's not hard to tell where the weakness is. And it tells the same story as the film. 
because you couldn't get through one drive against the Packers film without seeing a wide open Alan Lazard it flying down. It was, the field. <laughs> and I'm gonna be careful with how I say this. Yeah, not great. Right. Yeah, I agree. The technical term, not great for this defense. Football Outsiders DVOA has this as the 27th ranked defense against the run. They're 11th, and they're getting really solid interior play against the run with the rookie Dexter Lawrence, Dalvin Tomlinson, and B.J. Hill. And let's isolate that point for a second before we continue here. Those three, Lawrence, Tomlinson, Hill, are the top three graded defenders for the Giants per PFF. Drafted in rounds one, two, and three, respectively. All of them were drafted by Dave Gettleman. The best pass rusher of their interior defenders is Leonard Williams, who they traded for with the Jets. Since the trade, he's got the highest pass rush productivity percentage in that group and the most pressures, and it's not particularly close. So they spent picks of 17 overall, 55 overall, 69 overall, on three interior players, stout against the run, and then realized, oh crap, none of them are rushing the passer right now. Let's trade a 2020 third round and a 2021 fifth rounder that can turn into a fourth rounder if he's extended for Leonard Williams because he can rush the passer a little bit. This underlines the big problem for the Giants because with most of Marcus Golden's sack production coming in the beginning of the season combined with not getting enough from second year guy Lorenzo Carter, they don't have guys that can get after the quarterback. They also don't trust their secondary when it comes to blitzing, which is something that defensive coordinator James Betcher wants to do at a high frequency and has done so in the past. But as we highlighted in the summer in our Eye on the Enemy preview of the Giants, he wasn't able to blitz as much in 2018, saw a dramatic drop there. And given the current tools to play with, he hasn't been able to blitz as much in 2019. So you have a conservative zone team with some man corners with a lack of a pass rush. That type of time is going to get you carved up, hence the following. The Giants are 30th in pass defense DVOA. They're 22nd on third down. They are dead last on fourth down conversions, allowed a 71% conversion rate on fourth. And we talked about how it feels like with the Eagles, how they're worse on third down because they get smashed on fourth down. Well, the Giants are uh, another example of that. Looking at more niche stats here, nobody is giving up more 40-yard passing plays than the Giants. They have 14 allowed on the year. We talk about the Eagles having communication issues and busts in the vertical third. Nobody is doing that like the Giants this year. 50 plays of 20 yards or more. And on top of that, they're also allowing a first down on 37% of the passes against them. Mike, how do you find all these stats, man? These are so good. Gameplay Finder PFR. Shout out Pro Football Reference. You're ama- I, I, find, I get really confused when I try to use the Gameplay Finder. <laughs> We can we can we can do a little course with you. We'll, we'll figure that out. Yeah, no problem. But yeah, that that thirty seven percent, that third worst in the league, allowing first downs on passes, is only behind. Wait for it, Arizona. Wait for it some more, and Miami. Ben, this defense lacking an identity. It's lacking talent. The philosophy either doesn't match the talent, or it's a dumb philosophy from a roster construction standpoint because the talent isn't good at what works at stopping NFL offenses. On top of that, it looks like they won't have their best player in the secondary playing on Monday. That's Jabril Peppers. Yes, this is a big deal. And even if he's available, he'll be extremely limited. And just to touch on that, he did not practice on Thursday or Wednesday dealing with a back issue that they think is is fairly serious. Mm-hmm. So this defense overall is a mess. It was built for 1970, not 2020. This Eagles offense should take them behind the woodshed. 
And really, there's no excuse if they don't. Yeah, the Jabril Peppers thing is what really stood out to me when I was watching film. Because as you mm. brought up, the, the, the Giants are giving up more explosive passing plays than pretty much any other team in the league right now, right? And yep. if you've watched Eagles football in the year of our Lord 2019, you know that in terms of generating explosive passing plays, they have been a little disappointing <laughs> because they have absolutely no deep threats whatsoever. So what's happening in, in New York, because you, you, you say the Eagles have no deep threats, but then you go and you look at a player in Alan Lazard, who I believe had three explosive pass catches against Green Bay Packers with his, you know, world beating four, five, six speed or whatever he ran. And he's a yeah. 225. He's a huge dude. He thought we were going to move to tight end. How is this guy getting open? Well, right. It's because uh, of a lot of things, as it usually is. But we started James Betcher. James Betcher is the defensive coordinator for the the uh, the New York Giants. He has been so for several years now. And, and I've talked about James Betcher before, and I like James Betcher. I would view James Betcher a little bit as like the antithesis of, of Jim Schwartz. Why? Because if Jim Schwartz likes to do the same thing, James Betcher throws the whole kitchen sink at you on defense. This is a very complex uh you know, innovative might be a little strong given the success of the team, um, but he does different things and, and he finds success with them. But in the defensive backfield, I mean, he gives you a wide variety of looks, a wide variety of alignments. This is a team that uses a player like Alec Ogletree as their starting middle linebacker because of what Ogletree can hypothetically give you in coverage. He doesn't actually really give you in coverage. He's actually not that good, but that's the whole theory behind it, right? He's he's actually Nate Gary. Like, well, he's Nate is, Gary with a... Well, he's wearing, they're both wearing linebacker numbers in the 40s and they're not Deion yep. Jones, so that's <laughs> not good news but like, this is why a, a team like this valued jabril peppers uh, out of yeah. cleveland jabril peppers who was playing 20 yards off the ball uh, for the browns single high safety was not his deployment jabril peppers is an up at the line of scrimmage in short zones reading adjusting sort of a player that's where he's at his best instincts ball skills quickness and that's where betcher gets peppers when he's healthy so when we talk about James Betcher, we're talking about a 3-4 front. We're talking about stand-up outside rushers. We're talking about, like Mike said, B.J. Hill, Leonard Williams, Dalvin Thomas, and Dexter Lawrence. All these guys getting on the field very, very frequently. And then behind them, very nebulous looks. So sometimes we're a man coverage, but very, very frequently we're dropping in his zones. Three underneath, three over the top. We're, we're, we're rotating. We're spinning guys. Safeties are, are late dropping down in, into the box. A lot of confusion. You have to do work as a post-snap processor against Betcher. He's going to send guys from depth. Right, so it's not like I'm putting six guys in the line of scrimmage and five of them are coming. No, it's like I'm putting six guys in the line of scrimmage and six of them are coming, but it's those two over there. It's not those two right here. So sending guys from depth, which means that you you don't know pre-snap where the blitzers are coming from, and then the rotating and the spinning of safeties means that you can't say at the snap, okay, I've got two high, so I'm going to read backside, or I've got single high, I'm going to read front side. Well, you don't know what you have until post-snap, and this is Carson can be uh, Carson likes to read pre-snap Carson can be can struggle to read post-snap so something to watch out for the the Giants generally really struggle to generate turnovers this team is 20 uh 20th overall in turnovers uh, generated per drive but they do uh, duplicitous things they do you know silly things in the defensive backfield that that stress you out but bringing us back to the point why is James why is Jabril Peppers important why is why why are they giving up such explosive plays we well, need to be able to communicate and you need to be able to get pressure and sounds like Philadelphia, right? But it, it, it's different because you, you have guys, firstly, exchanging off of deep zones, stuff that we talked about with the Eagles before. But because you're sending those blitzers from depth, they're not getting there in, in two seconds. They're not getting there right away. They're not winning immediately off the line of scrimmage. Jim Schwartz's pressure gets there quick. James Betcher's pressure gets a free rusher, but he's coming from far away. And so it, it, it takes longer. 
and your quarterback has more time to make him miss or, or, or to read hot off of him. Accordingly, you need to be able to win in coverage against four-man route concepts, against five-man route concepts. And if you do not get that initial pressure, you're in trouble. Because mm. you've got guys bailing into zones from bad leverage. You've got athletes who should not be on offensive athletes trying to carry them in space. This is this is designed to take away routes within the first couple of seconds so the blitzers can arrive, so the rushers can arrive. It is not designed to sustain. This is not drop eight. This is drop six. So when we, <laughs> we talk about fire zones, this is what we're talking about. Yeah. Jabril Peppers greased the wheels, man. He made the engine run when this was successful because Peppers, you put Peppers 12 yards off the ball in the middle of the field, he can influence a lot of stuff he's a smart player he understands route concepts he can high low uh he can split zones and he and he can relate relative to coverage he has a really nice job when peppers went down the giants did not have a solution at backup safety for him michael thomas this cat who i don't really know was playing 20 30 of the snaps in the middle of the season his snaps have significantly decreased they have been getting him off the field with the arrival of Corey ballantine when he got healthy came off of ir when peppers gets injured they move julian love into yeah. strong safety this is a very big deal for mm-hmm. philadelphia because julian love is a corner and he's a corner playing strong safety which means that when he rotates into the box as a strong safety he'll be over the tight ends He'll be over Dallas Goddard. He'll be over Zach Ertz. He is a rookie, and he's playing decently well. The first thing I noticed to your point real quick is that when the the first nub set that I saw, Julian Love was the one down there filling towards the nub set side, so that double tight end. It's exactly what I'm getting. I appreciate Mm -hmm. that you brought it up. Julian Love, number 24. This is the player you're watching for when the Eagles are on offense. Down in the box as a corner. He's not over 200 pounds. Right. He's (laughs) not over six foot. Run them nubs. a small dude. Right. And now the Eagles, tight ends, and Dallas Goddard, Zach Ertz, great pass catchers, and such threats in the, in, the, in the passing game. No, 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 no. Last year, the Eagles had their backs up against the wall with the Los Angeles Rams. And you and I really liked that game because on defense and on offense, they did a ton of different things because they were desperate. Yes. And what they were really successful at in that game was running the ball out of 12 because the, the Rams kept on putting Josh Johnson in the box. They kept on putting, I think Mark Barron was still there, maybe not. They kept on putting secondary players, smaller players in the box against the Eagles' two tight end sets. And the Eagles ran it down their throats. Mm-hmm. You're going to get that with Julian Love and with James Batcher in this game. Pappers, was, I don't expect him to play. He's unhealthy. You've got a corner as the primary fill defender against your 12 personnel runs. This is the dream. Every run design has one goal in mind. Let's make a cornerback tackle. Because they don't like to and they're not good at it. Jordan Howard ain't going to be healthy. This is ideally where you have Jordan Howard going up against 5'11", 190 Julian Love. But you don't. Exactly. Miles Sanders still should be able to, to win. Now, they haven't been running Sanders out of 12 nearly as much. They run him out of 11. you got to be able to run him out of 12. He's got to be able to run zone one back. I mean, you got to eventually ask your players to do their jobs. Yep. You can't cater everything to everybody. So Sanders got to be able to run out of 12. He's got to be able to run from under center. He's got to be able to run zone in this game. If not, you got to put a Jai in there and try to get it out of him. But you, you have to be able to run out of 12 eventually what the Giants will do is they will go five-man surface, three-man uh, off the ball. So they'll present an eight-man box to you. Well, then it's a two-wide receiver side with man coverage, and they're giving you six yards. They're giving you six yards of free access. Take it. RPO slants. Just curl flat, slant flat. All your favorite freaking hits. Take five <laughs> yards to Greg Ward. Take five yards to J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Especially if Ortega-Whiteside is getting off coverage. He's been struggling with physicality so far. Give him the off coverage. Feed him. 
But if they if they give you the eighth man in the box against your 12 personnel sets, then you take the one-on-one coverage to the outside. This is how the Eagles want to win out of 12. This is how it works on the chalkboard. And it's a big deal because if Peppers is there, it's much harder to run the football. And then they're, they're not, they're not going to give you as loaded of boxes. Peppers being out puts Love in the box. Love being in the box means the Eagles run the football out of 12, means the Eagles stay on, on time with their offense. The only concern is that because they have Sanderson on Howard, they're going to stick in 11. They're going to try to run out of 11, which I really hope they don't do. Yeah. But again, I circle back to that Los Angeles Rams game. That was a game where the Eagles were up against the wall. All the playoff hopes were running on it. There was no time to muck about. It was the last chance. Obviously, Foles was in, so we were all kind of like, what's going to happen? They came out with a completely like different look on defense. They came out with innovative stuff on offense. They settled into their 12 personnel sets. They ran the ball down the Rams' throat. They controlled the flow of the game. They maintained a steady lead, and they won. And we know what the end of that story was. It ended with the double doink in Chicago, and they won a playoff game. You're not obviously getting a new quarterback, so I don't think there's going to be as drastic of a change of what you're doing on offense. But you have to be have to have to be looking at Julian Love as a strong safety right now and saying that's the huge weak point for us on our defense. Not for nothing. Also with 12 personnel, you're keeping Alec Ogletree and David frickin' Mayo on the field. These linebackers suck. They're, They're not good. These are the players you got to be going after. Uh, so I, I expect it's a heavy personnel game for Philadelphia. So we'll hit up more thoughts on this Eagles offense against the Giants defense here after the break. And then we'll get into our final predictions. That's coming up next here on the Kist and Solak Show. And we are back here on the Kist and Solak Show, episode 155, SB Nation, Bleeding Green Nation. Michael Kist here with Benjamin Solak. We are talking about the Eagles offense against the New York Giants defense. Ben, let's maybe look at some of the projected matchups in the secondary that we haven't really hit on yet. This is what PFF is projecting. They're saying J.J. Ortega-Whiteside is going to go up against DeAndre Baker. They're saying that Nelson Aguilar, who did not participate on Thursday, that's the newest injury report that we're dealing with. He's still dealing with that knee injury. I think if it's the same thing that he probably plays, but Nelson Aguilar against Grant Haley. Grant Haley has been abysmal. Alshon Jeffrey against Janoris Jenkins. You're also probably going to get some, get some uh, Zach Ertz on Janoris Jenkins when they do those close sets and whatnot. We saw it last year. Uh, Zach Ertz, very capable of beating Janoris Jenkins, beat him for a touchdown last year on a corner route, beat Kyle Fuller this year. So that's something to look for as well. Anything stand out for you as far as like, this is the matchup that I'm pegging for the Eagles from a wide receiver tight end perspective? Wide receivers, I don't care about wide receivers anymore. Wide receivers are pointless. Tight ends. <laughs> no. So, right. What what you're having now in terms of the the slot play that you're getting from New York as they had DeAndre Baker as a starter pretty much up until their bye, and now they're weaning down his playing time as Corey Ballantine has gotten healthier, and they've added Julian Love and Sam Beal into the rotation off of injury. Baker mm-hmm. was bad, right? Bad. Like Baker was a Liability. problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and he's still going to see snaps and nickel sets. And if you can get him, especially in the slot, yeah, he's awful. Go up. Yep, go he's after. not good. Not for nothing. Wasn't that great coming out of Georgia either. But this doesn't matter. First round pick had a third round grade on him. I don't know what the what the deal is there. And they play and when they played him on the outside, they were playing him like as an off man like zone guy. He like you at least gotta let him do what he's good at. He does not have good instincts. He just doesn't feel it well. But anyway, as I said, love box safety. If you go spread, they'll flex him out, but that's where he's better. I wouldn't touch him. Sam Beal. I've seen fifteen snaps of this cat now, given <laughs> he right. just came back. I love Alshon on this kid. Absolutely. Beal's soft. Yeah. He's big, but he's soft. This is not a good cornerback room, period. When Janoris Jenkins is your best player, this is not a good cornerback room. Uh, they drafted a lot of youth, and they're still working up a lot of youth. The Eagles should have advantages with Alshon Jeffrey against any one of these guys. I, I To me, and this is tricky because eventually you start running out of slots. <laughs> There's only two slots on the field. Um, 
JJ, I think a white side as a big slot is something I'd love to see them try, but I yeah. know they're committed to doing him as an outside receiver. So I guess continue to do it. If he's against Janoris Jenkins, it's an advantage. Janoris Janoris is too quick and too smart. I think a white side's not explosive enough to, I think, be winning against Jenkins at, at this stage. So do you think that we see uh, the same amount of Alshon Jeffrey from the slot as we saw last week? Because we saw we saw some of that. They tried to work some switch releases and whatnot, but that might be something that they that they identify against the Giants and want to go back to. Well, I don't think you get press man on the line from the Giants nearly as much as you got from Flores in Miami, which negates the uh, advantage of the switch release. Good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the Giants aren't going to put you on the line of scrimmage. They're going to put five, six guys out there in a cloud because they don't want you to know who's ended up on who where. It's a lot of post-snap work, which is big for Carson. Like, if it's a bad Carson game, this is going to get ugly because he's going to throw picks. And like I said, the Giants have been generally a pretty good, a pretty bad turnover per drive team. The Eagles have been generally a pretty good interception per drive team. I think they're 11th in the league. But Carson's going to throw picks if he tries to predetermine where he's going with the football. And he's been doing that a lot recently. At the same time, if we get Carson against the Bills and the Bills do a lot of that post-snap, you know, rolling, spinning safeties, all that stuff. And I thought Carson was pretty good against the Bills at identifying that stuff and keeping the ball out of danger. So hopefully we get a Bills game out of Carson. But I do understand what you're saying. Yeah. This is a big post-snap processing game for Carson. And he's got to be quick through his reads. And we've seen him struggle a little bit recently. Thought he was better last week. But it is an issue for him that will crop up uh, every, every now and then. Yeah, what I will say is that it was a good game that he had against the Bills. And I appreciate that. 23 carries for 100 yards and a touchdown from Jordan Howard ain't hurt nobody during that Bills game out of 12 and you don't have that you know you don't have that um (laughs) okay so yeah offensive line defensive line Mm. I have a take Mm. every single one of these Giants and defense tackles is overrated man every single one of these cats (laughs) I agree I I mean like Dalvin Tomlinson is fun to watch he has good reps Dexter Lawrence for a rookie has got some flashy reps these guys don't impact the game that much. I maybe that's that's being two gapping defensive tackles, and that's just what it is. But like, if this is where you've invested all of your capital, I don't want to say they don't matter. That's very unkind. It's really easy to not have these guys impact the game. Zone flow, yeah. zone flow, and they've got to they've got to run with it. This is a huge to me play action rollout game. Make them make plays outside of the core of the formation right. because they can't run with it. Yeah. Now, let's be honest. Let's it's a little bit of, 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 of full transparency. Every game for me is a play-action rollout game. I want it so bad, and I've wanted it for years. But this is an issue that the Giants have been dealing with not only this year, but in the past, too. I mean, a couple years ago or last year or whatever it was, I remember looking at the stats for, for the Giants when you run inside against Damon Snacks Harrison. It right. wasn't great. You could gash them outside, absolutely gash them, and I still think that's the case. I mean, did you watch? Did you? I went and I watched film of of, of a few of the Vikings' offensive possessions against the Giants. Did you? Did you yeah. watch Vikings at all? They they outflanked them. I mean, that's right. That's what you murdered them. Yeah, Kirk murder. Cousins. Kirk Cousins on the game had twenty seven passing attempts, twenty two completions, three hundred and six yards, and two touchdowns. I swear to you, every rep was play action. I swear, Alec Ogletree <laughs> had no idea. What was happening? Oh, Meanwhile, God. Tomlinson and, and 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 Lawrence can't impact the game because they're four yards over there. Yeah, because exactly. that's what you got to read your keys and flow with 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 guard center guard. That's what you got to do, especially when they, if they go they go tight front as well. When they want to get a five man surface, they'll put they'll put their three like quote unquote best players in Dexter Lawrence, Dalvin Tomlinson, B.J. Hill. Now it's Leonard Williams. Right. They put them between tackle to tackle. Take them where they want. Take them where they want to go. Give them zone flow. 
get them moving, get you get leverage, roll Carson out. Now it's Carson one-on-one in space with firstly, like, okay, maybe Lorenzo Carter and Marcus Golden, which he'll win one or two. He'll lose one or two of those. But if you if you crash them down, if you split zone them and collision them, and then you leak Ertz and Goddard, which the Eagles have done, they did against Miami a couple times. If you if, even if you crack them with uh with, with with wide receiver who's releasing to the opposite side, whatever you want to do. That's an advantage for when you have a quarterback with the athletic ability that Carson does. And then it's he's on flow. It's a three-level read. And if you're lucky, you've got the, the the Giants in a blitz that they shouldn't be in. And now you're flooding zones that aren't prepared to handle that much, that many routes. So like flooding uh, fire zones is, 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 a, is a, you know, one-on-one. How do you deal with these defenses? So to me, it's it's, it's a rollout game, especially if, if the Eagles are going to struggle to handle stunts and twists which they have sometimes done get cars out of the pocket so from an offensive line perspective i think brooks kelsey and and samalu even samalu one on one head up are all plus matchups over leonard williams over dalvin tomlinson over dexter lawrence only one who slightly concerns me is uh what whatever is uh, dalvin tomlinson tomlinson can be powerful and i think for kelsey and samalu that can present an issue but even when you're at an advantage one-on-one, you're going to lose reps. So let's limit and help schematically by getting these guys moving because they have to flow because they're two-gapping. Take them where they want to go, move Carson into space. Helps get the ball out of his hands quicker as well. Doesn't leave him on, on, a, on a launch point. We know when Carson's in the pocket, he likes to cement his feet. But the Eagles, they love to send five in the concept, three to the front side, two to the back side. We read one high this side. We read two high this side. High, low, read. This is safety check, da 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 which is dandy. But I, you, I don't really think there's a reason for it. Also worth noting, do you really have five players you want to be getting into every passing concept? Because, nope. I mean, like, and the, the sad thing is, like, the guys you would leave in to pass protect, Sanders, Goddard, and Ertz, are the guys you actually want in the passing concept. <laughs> right. You ideally would leave a <laughs> wide receiver in the block. Um, but you, you do have to ask the question of, how like, is it worth getting five guys in the concept if Carson's going to pretty typically hammer his first read which is what he Mm -hmm. does let's get forward of the concept and leave a guy in there and hopefully protect him for half a second longer again i think it makes more sense than usual against the giants front but i also always think it makes sense and it never comes to fruition so i'm not holding my breath here you also i mean dialing back to the run game run it lorenzo carter run it o'shane zimenez when he's in there run it marcus golden yeah want to have a conversation about marcus golden yeah let's have one i still stand for this man to death I think uh-huh. he's good, and I will think he's uh-huh. good until I die. He has not, he's not playing good. <laughs> no, he's not playing he's good struggling. at all. He's struggling, and Lorenzo Carter is It's the worst bad. I've seen him. I, I, I've stand for this man before, too. He's not good this year, period. Marcus Golden not. was good with Betcher in Arizona, and then when the Giants signed him, I was like, oh, frick yeah. And then he has been below average. <laughs> well, that's a sad thing. All right, so let's get to the DraftKings Sportsbook. We'll get to the final predictions here now that we've broken down this side of the matchup. We'll talk about the overall feelings we have about this game. Uh, The line has moved slightly. The Eagles are now nine-point favorites. The over-under at 45.5. We're still going to call it 28-18 to is what we say Vegas is saying the final score around about should be. We both had the under for the Giants as far as 18 points go. I had them at exactly... 17. Ben, I'll, I'll let you go first. What is your final prediction for this game? Monday Night Football, big time. Let's go. 26 to like 13 is my mm. prediction. I yeah. think the Eagles, and this is tricky because 
the Giants have an awful red zone defense, but I do think that the Eagles' current, like the way that they string drives together just requires them to play so many different third downs that I don't think it's going to be, you know, big, deep, explosive passing touchdowns, even with the issues the Giants have talked about. I think it's going to be more so the laborious, joyless drives that we've become accustomed to watching the Eagles. So I do think we're going to get a couple field goals accordingly. Giants are a bad red zone offense. Eagles are a bad red zone defense. Something's got to break there. We'll see what happens. I don't think the Eagles dominate this game, but I do think they get a lead and they ride the lead and they control the game and it never is is super in jeopardy. I just don't think that they really slam the door shut the way that you want them to, just because I don't have that much trust in the team just yet. But I absolutely do expect a stronger performance. I, I think the Eagles cover. I had the Eagles covering it at eight and then I got them again when when Manning was in for Jones. We we kind of we expected the the big performance game to be the Miami game and it wasn't. I think that they're gonna swing back through it now. Dallas losing. Division's clearly in sight. I mean you eventually somebody's gotta wake up and I think it's it's gonna be this game. All right. And I'm actually altering my score slightly. I mean it's Eli freaking Manning. I'm gonna go <laughs> with 30 to 10. Wow. Final. I mean, who scores for the Eagles? What's your big one bold prediction? I'm going to go Goddard touchdown. I'm going to go Ertz touchdown in his typical, you know, he's going to have a corner out in the, in the corner of the end zone. He's going to score. So that's 14. Sanders is going to get loose on a, on a wheel, on a bus route. There's 21. Okay. And then Jake Elliott, three for three, all from 50 yards. All of them. I mean, he better, he's got to live up to that contract. He missed last week. Buyer's remorse. Stop it. Are you feeling it? Don't be ridiculous. (laughs) Extend him again. He needs the confidence. Three touchdowns, three field goals. I'll go Goddard, mm-hmm. Ertz, and you know what? You know, I want to change. I'm going to change Goddard. I'm going to. I'm going to say they get another shield screen touchdown to Jeffrey and there because they want to feed him. I mean, yeah. they made it very clear that they want to feed him. So shield screen and the red zone. You know what I'm talking about? It's the typical look that they give. They scored on it against the Giants last year. It's going to look very, lo- uh, very did. much so like the Giants game last year, in my opinion. And I think it'll be kind of close at first. And like Eli's not going to be able to move the ball. It's Eli freaking Manning, and Barkley's not the. You don't think they're gonna have year. what did what did what did uh, Doug say they were gonna have extra like mustard or something? Extra mustard? He said like, oh, you know, they're gonna have some extra jazz. They're gonna be jazzed up. Is what he said. He said they're gonna be jazzed up because Eli Manning's starting again. And I was like, I don't. I would be sad if Eli Manning was starting again. Yeah, like he's yeah. not the vocal leader in the locker room anymore. Just everyone's kind of like he's just kind of biding his time there, yep. being a, being a mentor. I don't think it's an emotional thing for them at all. They have. I don't have a whole lot to play for, man. Yeah. So, I I do agree. I would like to see Miles Sanders. You know, Miles Sanders. Uh, okay, Miles Sanders through the first nine games of the season was averaging fourteen yards per reception. Over the last three weeks, he's averaging five. They got to find a way to get him deep down the field again. Hmm. Do something new. But this is your this is your deep receiving threat. This is the state of your franchise. So let's open him up a little bit. All right, Ben. That's gonna do it for. The Kiss and Solak Show, episode 155. Uh, we appreciate all the the screenshots from the Spotify thing that we told you about yesterday. That is awesome that you guys listen to us so much for so many minutes of your life. We're glad to be here with you. Ben, say goodbye to the gentle listeners. Hey, thank you as always for listening to the Kiss and Solak Show here on... Oh, Ben, shut, shut up for a second. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> that, wasn't, that wasn't okay. We just hit 1,200 reviews on Apple Podcasts this morning, so we really appreciate all those five star, uh, all those five star ratings. Go ahead, Ben. You may talk again. No, you do the wrap up. <laughs> Unkind. Thank you as always uh, for listening to the Kist and Solak Show here on BGN Radio. We do appreciate you swinging by the Eagles and the Giants Monday Night Football, a barn burner of competitors in the NFC East. Not really. 
Um, but the Eagles need to win to keep their playoff hopes alive and to make us keep pretending to care for yet another week. Please, I'm trying to feed my family, win a football game. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, as Mike said, 12,000 or 1,200? 1,200. 1,200. 1,200. 1,200 reviews so far on iTunes. Uh, if you're not one of them, go ahead and get on the horse because uh, mm. I think you want to be one of them. We really enjoy interacting with our listeners hearing what you enjoy about the show laughing at your jokes typically they make fun of me it's okay i can take it let's uh, so go ahead leave a rating a review on a, a subscription on whatever app you listen to your podcasts he's been benjamin Solak on twitter at benjamin Solak. that's s-o-l-a-k i've been michael kist on twitter at michael kist nfl that's k-i-s-t eagles defense giants offense preview was previous the uh bgn radio main show babes on broad it's all coming your way so make sure you just continue listening thank you so much we will catch you after the game we all we got We all we need, Fly Eagles Fly. BGN. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.